Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And we have as our special guest today, uh, Professor Shively Smith, Reverend Dr. Shively Smith. Uh, She is the assistant professor of New Testament at Boston University School of Theology and an itinerant elder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church and resident scholar at Metropolitan AME Church in Washington, D.C. So she splits her time between Boston and D.C. And uh, she just won a prestigious award as a mentor of the year in the, um, uh, in the Biblical Scholar Guild. And so we're just very happy to have her with us. Welcome, Shively. Thanks for taking the time in your busy life to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's uh, we look forward to the conversation. So we have um, a question for you from uh, one of our readers. Um, and I'll just, again, remind our listeners uh, and viewers that you are welcome to and encouraged to uh, submit questions on the enterthebible.org uh, website. So this question has to do with Peter and Shively. Uh, we know that you're... Uh, your focus for uh, a number of years has been on Peter and the, right. the Petrine literature, uh, the the first um, the the letters of Peter uh, in the New Testament. And so the question is: Is Peter the rock on which the church is built? Um, and this references uh, a, a famous passage in uh, the Gospels where uh, Jesus says, uh, "You are Peter. You are Petra." Uh, or Petros, and on this rock I will build my church. And there's been differing interpretations of that. So we'll mm-hmm. get into that uh, and talk about the larger Peter tradition as well. So, Shively, how would you how would you begin answering that question? I would ge- I will begin by just saying that's what it, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, right. So uh, I think it's important to say so that that. First, that tradition is very, very important. It's Matthew chapter six. So you're talking about Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. And right there in 18, we get this declaration of Jesus to Peter that says, uh, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of Hades will not, shall not prevail against you. So my direct answer is, that's what that's what it says. <laughs> right. So in at least Matthew's understanding, and I would say running through throughout the gospel understanding is this notion of the importance of not even notion. It is literally the p- depiction of the importance of Peter as a, not just an apostolic figure an actor, but as really a centering space. And then you move into something like Acts and you see Peter you know, taking front, front, front stage, and um, the beginning of Acts, we begin to see the emergence of the church and all the stories connected there. So, yeah, I mean, our gospels, our, the New Testament, opens with a clear sense of the significance of Jesus and Peter's role as a main spokesperson and leader and representative of the apostolic, apostolic tradition and community and discipleship. And I think that that. Matthew 16, 18 um, is a signal that we have to take seriously, the P- Peter figure and model and an example. 
Could you, there's a, there's a word play here, right? Yeah. In, uh, in this verse, uh, Matthew Absolutely. 16, 18. Could you, could you explain that to those of our listeners uh, who, yeah. like me, uh, have forgotten their Greek or may <laughs> never have had their Greek? <laughs> so let's, see, let's see if I can help. So <laughs> when we talk about Matthew 16, 18, you get the name Peter, Petros, in, um, set alongside the object, the noun Petros or the rock. So we, we're getting this play between the, the the name of a person and of a fig, of a being, and then the rock. So really, you start thinking about so what what becomes foundational in some ways of thinking about Peter as foundation for ecclesia, right? For for church and congregation life. I mean, that's the other piece that's also important. Is this is church? This church language that shows up explicitly here in. Matthew doesn't show up elsewhere in the other gospels. So Matthew's stringing together some very important concepts and very important markers for understanding not only Peter, but also how we understand the ecclesia, the body of Christ and what and, and what is foundational there. Um, I love thinking about the the play on words here between Peter and the rock, because I think it pushes us as church as, uh, as uh, within the church and as Bible readers to begin to, to ask the, the question of what is a rock? <laughs> what does a rock do? Right. And what does a rock not do? Right. Um, it really does invite the theological imagination of us to start asking some of those other questions. I think about the the story of Peter um, wanting to walk uh, to Jesus on the water, and yeah. then he starts to sink like a rock. Right? right. I mean, he's just... <laughs> that's right, right. So the, this notion of even is the rock is the is the foundation, the foundational element of Peter and Peter's story, one of always. Um, this stalwart, unmoving figure, which it is not. Mm-hmm. Peter has real, right. you know, failings to him. And yet the story says, I wonder to what degree we have created space to understand that that's a part of this rock, this rock tradition of Peter. It's not just the successes and the strengths in places that you see, such as the Pentecost speech and acts. It, it is the real um, missteps, um, the real human moments that are also a part of it that I think um, it opens up. Um, us to imagine and talk about as well. So I think there's been like a disagreement or a dispute between Catholics and Protestants when it comes to kind of interpreting this passage where Mm -hmm. the Catholic tradition would argue that, you know, that Peter is more or less the first Pope Mm -hmm. and the Protestant tradition, I think would interpret those passages differently. It occurs to me that those are, like probably it's probably a pretty anachronistic question to begin with right, right where right. The, the the development of of the church ecclesiologically had not gotten to the point where we were even contemplating of things like popes and and, and stuff like that but i wonder how you might um as a biblical scholar sort of tease apart those you know those arguments and and maybe I don't know, provide some wisdom or insight into that question. Yeah, I think there's a, so there's some historical points here as well as I think some biblical textual points. So the the place where you get the real claim of um, um, Peter as foundational for the papacy and actually establishing authority, one of the places I always go to is looking at someone like Pope Leo the Great in the fifth century. So my dates are going to be a little off, mid 400s to 
465 or something here, you have someone really claiming and embracing the Matthew 16, 17 through 19 passage as a marker for that, you know, claiming that Peter's authority given there, the kingdoms of the heaven, the foundation of the rock really um, affirms the authority of sort of um, the Catholic papacy. So there's there there's a historical marker where this becomes a figure that gets claimed, and this moment is claimed as real a particular real authority structure there. Um, but the the other piece that I think is so that's on the Catholic side for me. So what happens mm-hmm. in terms of Protestant circles that I think is important is uh, is also in Matthew, but it's in this very similar. So there's the Matthew 16 through 19, but then there's a real claiming of places like Matthew 18, 18. So whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, mm-hmm. um, whatever, you know, so this binding and loosing passage in mm-hmm. Matthew 18 becomes a way in which depending on, um, depending on where you're located, the authority that Peter is granted in Matthew 16 is read as being expanded to all Mm. disciples and to all discipleship in Matthew 18. So what we're really talking about in some ways is how, what we are privileging and how we're putting biblical text in conversation, authorizing text. I mean, these are authorizing texts, right? That claim of, that put authority and power um, on figures that people see themselves and that institutions and our Christian faith and, and denominations and locations see ourselves living into and continuing, right? And so what, what you see is um, an emphasis game that's happening in some way. So the Catholic tradition really emphasizes that Matthew 16 um, piece to emphasize papal authority Protestants see that and love that, like that too, right? Right. But we see an expansion of discipleship and authority in places like Matthew 18. And we're not even talking about the Peter and Paul scenario, even in this. I'm yeah. literally talking about the, around the Peter figure, how foundational power is being understood. Yeah. Say and a little I, more for our listeners about the, the Peter and Paul. Uh, yeah, I was about to go there too, because I was about to, you know, a lot of folks say, well, actually the, you know, the real founder of Christianity was Paul. That's <laughs> right. He's the one who spread it to the Gentiles. Right. He had, like, his letters was particularly authoritative in yeah. terms of the theology that's been handed down to us. Right. So who's, you know, Who's the winner? Who's right. the real leader, Shively? So this is important. To, this is important because first, as you introduce me, I'm a I'm a Petrine scholar. For so the first thing I say is uh uh uh. <laughs> Before there was Paul, there was Peter. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I always say and you're in the Peter column. Right. So I always, so my my go to is to say if you read the Book of Acts, we do not stop start with Paul. We start with Peter, <laughs> and it is Peter who we see going to the Gentiles first in Acts ten. It is Peter who we yeah. see speaking actually actually speaking at the Jerusalem Council in Acts in Acts fifteen, and Paul and Peter are actually positioned in a text like Acts 15 as um, uh, they're, they're partners. They, they are on the yeah. same side advocating for this. So there's a way in which I say, so let's be careful about the sort of some of the, I would say anachronistic and even um, ahistorical distinctions that yeah. have said Peter went, Peter went um, 
Peter was to um, Messianic Jewish believers and Paul went to the Gentiles to make them believers. Even the, the biblical text itself in the New Testament shows you that it's not that neat and clean. What we're dealing with is a mul multiple different Christian communities. And these two figures are in are moving in and out of um, of spaces that are um, Jewish Christian believers, that are Gentile Christian believers, sometimes together, sometimes not. They sometimes have different ways of being in these spaces. You see something happened in Galatians, to, Galatians too. But Peter is also a part of, is very much a part of a leader and a, and a part of that conversation and that movement. So maybe we could move, we're talking about kind of traditions about Peter, both in scripture and, uh, and later, as you were talking about Pope Leo. What about, where do, where do first and second Peter come in oh, here? Yeah. I, I'm thinking, especially as we're talking about Peter as the rock, mm -hmm. uh, I had to look it up to make sure I had the right chapter, but of course, first Peter chapter two, mm -hmm. right? With that beautiful passage about the living stones, you know, come to him a living stone, that rejected by mortals yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Uh, and then it quotes uh, a psalm there, a stone mm -hmm. that makes them stumble. Oh, oh, sorry. The stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, right? Speaking of, of Jesus there as the, the cornerstone. So can you... Um, yeah. It's, so with Peter and Paul, I do not like to talk about winners and losers, but when, when we get into these letters, I do. So, so <laughs> that's because I'm also an epistolary scholar. So I'm like, there's some clear winners here. Okay. So clear winner, first Peter, first Peter, as soon as it, it's, it's always say, and as I tell my students, as soon as it makes, it takes. So, so, so like the gospels, like Peter's, like Paul's letters, first Peter is a, te is a, a letter that, that exceeds its time stamp and geographical location and continue and, and is embraced um, by sort of a larger church world of the ancient world. And I always think that it's one of the reasons it's because of the beauty of First Peter 2, the way in which, again, is some of that, it's playing on that Matthew 16, 18, mm -hmm. Peter and right. rock language. Right. It's giving context to that, an affirmation, a positioning of this sort of apostolic Peter figure to a larger church dynamic. First Peter is the letter, is the one place short of Acts 11, where we get Christian, the Christian a label actually explicitly off um, mm. um, used. So in First Peter four, mm. and that Christian label is a stigma. So it's not it's not a good thing. The letter encourages them to embrace the stigma, the pejorative label of Christian, and it does that after it establishes the beauty of the Peter apostolic figure and this foundational church, um, um, the way in which it is foundational to. Uh, understand the foundation of the church, right? So I, I, on one level, I would say first Peter is a clear winner in terms of extending the Peter tradition into sort of foundational for understanding Christian identity, Christian community against resistance, against um, attack. So that's one. Second Peter is a different story. Um, Second Peter is a much later, actually, I talk about it um, in my forthcoming book, actually, as I begin by talking about it as the baby of the family. So it is, it is, hmm. it is, it is the latest of all the writings of the New Testament. And so it seems to, um, 
look look like um, something like First Peter, but not all the way. It has some of the stuff that I would have wanted in First Peter. Like Second Peter is where you get the fourth transfiguration transfiguration account of um, the New Testament. But Second Peter is was always contested, always contested, mm-hmm. and it because it seems to speak to and represent a way of Christian community and being that looks very different than what you see in first Peter and what you see in the Peter Petrine tradition in the gospels and acts very antagonistic, very polemical, um, doesn't seem, seems to struggle with these notions of diverse Christian communities that is actually a part of the Peter Peter's story, whether you're in the Gospels or even in First Peter. So I say there's no winners or losers between Paul and Peter, but we might need to talk a little bit about the difference in Peter conversation between First Peter and Second Peter, which makes the tradition complicated. Interesting. So the Second Peter probably arises then out of a more of a situation of conflict or persecution. Yes. Is that what yes. people think? I, so, I, so I think both are persecutions and conflict, but it's conflict from two different directions that get attached to Peter's tradition. First mm-hmm. Peter is conflict of Christian communities experiencing from those outside the community. Second Peter is self-made conflict inside Christian mm-hmm. communities, where it seems to be mm-hmm. you have power holders who get to determine who 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 among them get is considered heretical and who are not and i mean it is very um i mean so when you re- read it carefully even the rhetoric of the of the people that they're targeting the rhetoric they use is very um hard you call you call them cursed mm-hmm. people likens them mm-hmm. to pigs and dogs i mean this is all in second mm-hmm. peter so when I hear about this as a person in Peter tradition, Second Peter looks very odd to me. Sounds very mm. odd to me in the larger in the larger story of Peter that you see in places like Matthew sixteen, in Acts fifteen, um, in Acts two, uh, that just stand out. Mark eight that just stand out in a in a way that I think we have to be careful. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to that figure of Peter then in the Gospels and in Acts. So obviously, I think most people, when they hear the name Peter, will think of the denial, right? The three times that Peter denies Jesus. But that's not the end of the story, right? As as the Gospels say it. So how how would you describe Peter's trajectory, you know, Mm -hmm. the figure of Peter as depicted in the Gospels and Acts? You know, I I think that this one's so interesting because I think this is also a difference between Protestant and Catholic and and that sort of Catholic tradition is how Peter's handled. So Catholic tradition is really good at um, acknowledging and understanding the way in which Peter is a dynamic apostolic figure. Protestants, we tend to be very up on the dynamic and the conversion or the turning or the transformation of Paul. Like mm. We privilege and pride right. ourselves right. on that. And we miss that Peter is also, is very much a dynamic shifting figure in our tradition. The, the one who goes and sees is with Jesus. I will not deny you. And then we see this sort of failing of, of, of denial that moves into something like, I keep going to Acts because I think that that's so important. Here you go in Acts 1 and 2 and who takes center stage? Peter. And Peter is unmoving. Why does this sort of, sort of unwavering figure? You say, wow, what happened? So in the tradition itself, Peter is a figure to me that looks very 
human, <laughs> right? Like, like, Imagine yeah, it looks, I mean, human and, and human in a way, I think that it could, encu- that should encourage uh, some of our traditions that focus so much on Paul and miss that Peter himself, some of us, um, not to be belabor it, but I think it's important. Some of us start, especially if we're new to the faith or new Christians, very zealous and excited. I've worked with uh, new believers before, right? I am all, you know, and then the first misstep or the first failing in their zealous faith, it it can be destroying, like, like oh, I failed. And I, and I go, Paul doesn't help you here, but Peter can. <laughs> like, so reach for Peter to encourage yeah. those new believers who are zealous and are the ones who are in Gethsemane. I will not leave you. I will cut the ear of anyone for Jesus. And then they misstep they back off they you know and they and they are they're like what do i do peter is a character in this tradition that really helps us to understand how you get back how you can get back um how you come back even in your faith how we make a misstep and then we can make a better step the next time Hmm. you can almost imagine uh you know that if you think about it in those terms, then the rock on which Christ builds the church is that of human beings. That's right. You know, frail and fragile and messed up and messy and sinful and redeemed and loved. And that's the rock on which Christ builds the church. That's right. We sink, we, we float, we're whole. Sometimes we're talking, that is the, that is the church and how, how deeply loved mm-hmm. does that mean we are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Well, we are just uh, so happy that you uh, have shared some of your wisdom with us here, Shibley. And we know that that was just, that we could have gone much deeper. And, and you obviously can go much deeper. You mentioned a book that you're writing on, Peter. Do you just want to give a shout out about what that is? Sure. So my um, next book on Peter is actually on Second Peter. So it's called um, "Interpreting Second Peter: Interpreting Second Peter Through African American Women's Moral Writings." And so that's coming out with SVL Press in March 2023. And um, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm living in First and Second Peter these days. So. <laughs> well, it's obviously a, a rich, fertile ground for theological imagination. So thank you for that. And thank you to our uh, listeners for joining us again for uh, the Enter the Bible podcast. Uh, Get high quality courses and commentaries and resources, videos and more reflections at enterthebible.org. Thanks for joining us.